Welcome to another edition of Bucky's Fifth Podcast. As always, Tyler Hunt and Matt Bell is here covering everything Wisconsin athletics. On today's show, we've got a little bit of news to hit on in the front of the show. We'll talk some basketball as they got their season underway. We'll talk some transfer news, and then we'll get into our normal football discussion, which involves, of course, the injury report, anything we took from Paul Chris and the media presser on Monday afternoon. And then, of course, in the back half of the show, we'll get into a full Iowa recap and just a dominating performance by the Badgers, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, maybe one of the best performances we've seen from Jim Leonard's group um, throughout the entire game. So we'll get into all things that. We'll talk a little run game. We'll talk a little Graham Mertz and uh, everything in between from what was a really uh, fun punt Badger game to watch. I mean, just uh, this team played really, really well, and, um, and the defense was amazing. And I think we can rant and rave on that for, for quite a long time here on this episode. So, Matt, how are you today? I'm doing great. Yeah, I mean, we could we could dedicate an entire 60 minutes <laughs> to this Wisconsin defense if we wanted to, just because they are playing just out of their gourds at this moment. But um, I'm doing well. How are you? Yeah, it's I, I'm doing great. It's it's really it seems like every week this team or this defense especially comes out and and one ups you know each week and each performance gets better and you're like okay that was the best I've seen that group this was the best I've seen it but that Iowa game was was really something special so. I'm excited to just uh, gush and rant and rave about the defense in the back half of the show. But we'll go ahead and start um, with the Wisconsin basketball team, who started off their season with the exhibition against UW-Whitewater, took care of business 76-50. to um, Really, uh, of course, we've talked about it so many times, revamped roster, a lot of new faces, you know, came out with a little bit of a slow start, not all that surprising with your first kind of um, action of the year, not playing against each other, and then kind of everything kind of got going from there. Collective effort. Stephen Crowell looked really good. What else, sir? What did you maybe get, and, and what stood out to you in the Badgers' uh, first exhibition against the uh, Warhawks? Yeah, I mean, you look at it, and all of the players, both Chucky Hepburn and Stephen Crowell, after the game, admitted that they had, you know, both of them as well as the rest of the team pretty jittery going into that game just because – most of these guys have never played in in Wisconsin uniform in front of a huge crowd before. So it was a big opportunity for them. They were excited. Um, or they played, but they didn't play major minutes like what they maybe were expected to this year. So overall, looking at it, you mentioned a little bit of a slow start. But then you saw some guys kind of get into a rhythm. I was really impressed by those two youngsters, Stephen Crowell, Chucky Hepburn. I thought they both did some nice things. I think Hepburn um, will eventually be a guy that's going to play even more minutes coming out off of an injury. I thought that him and Lauren Bowman were kind of limited in terms of the minutes that they were going to play, um, but but really they showed flashes, and I think that they'll be needed all year long. Um, starting rotation was, was kind of funky based off of what they went with. Um, I think part of that is because of a guy like Hepburn not being available until Wednesday, the, the two days prior. So you had... Brad Davis and bringing the ball up with Johnny Davis at the two, Tyler Wall, Ben Carlson, and Stephen Crawl, just a very big lineup. Um, of those guys, I thought all of them looked looked good. 
Ben Carlson, um, I, I think he was going a little too fast. It, it kind of needs to slow down for him a little bit. But overall, this is a team that I think expectation-wise, um, people shouldn't get, you know, overly excited about thinking that this is going to be a team that's going to go to the Sweet 16 or an Elite 8 or anything like that. But instead, I think this is a group that's going to grow over the season. Um, I still have some question marks about where that we're going to see some of the scoring come from. I think Stephen Krall definitely showed that he could be a guy that can help, help you out competition level pretty, pretty well. But at the same time, he's a seven footer that, that showed some promise, showed some skill on the offensive end. And, and I thought Wisconsin's defense, um, showed really some, some serious prop, um, promise as well. So I think overall it's tough to take too much because it's UW Whitewater, but overall it, I thought they played pretty well and it's definitely going to be an exciting group to watch as they grow over the season. Yeah, I mean, it really, you there's some things maybe you could you know pick out that you wanted to see a little bit better, but uh, you know, from the sounds of it, overall, you know, the 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 group came out and, and really just got their feet under them, which I think is all you can really hope for. Of course, you want to win you know a game like that. You expect to win a game like that, you know, handily, but you also just want to get some of those jitters that some of those guys talked about, work those out. You, you know, you're finally playing against somebody else that that goes a long way. And yeah, like you mentioned, this team will certainly seems like a group that will continue to grow throughout um, the course of the season. I think that will be exciting and fun to watch. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned the rotation. I, I think that was the part when you're just following along with it. Um, that was, was kind of interesting, um, uh, you know, with, with Davis and, uh, and Dave, Davison and Davis <laughs> handling the guard duties. We'll see how that kind of changes. I think that's the one position that everybody is kind of you know, has their eye on is, is who's going to line up at the point guard and how does that shuffle the rest of the rotation and the rest of the numbers. So, that's that's certainly something to to keep a look at because you know Brad Davison and, and Jonathan Davis um, probably better suited in other spots, but you've also got some guys that maybe are a little bit more limited in the spots that they can play on the floor. So you've got uh, you ha- got this team will have to have some flexibility, and we'll, we'll have to see. It'll be a work in progress. Guys will be moving around, certain guys will be getting su- certain minutes, and you'll see that you know progress and change uh, throughout the course of the season. So. I, I don't think you can take, make too much of that. Like you mentioned, um, it's really, it's an exhibition against Division Three team. It's just nice to come out, get, the, get those jitters out, play a little while, and, um, and hopefully that will springboard this team into next time getting off to a quicker start, playing a little bit better, playing more sound. Um, but overall, you know, an exhibition win is, is all you can really, uh, the hope for in this spot. Yeah. And kind of jumping up, continuing on that thread with the rotation, it was interesting that Carter Gilmore, first guy off the bench, um, last up, so what I talked about that I think that he was a kid who was going to be able to get some playing time. Um, and then you had Hepburn, um, Jacoby Neath, the transfer from mm-hmm. Wake Forest, and, and Chris Vogue, the transfer from Cincinnati. Um, those those were kind of the, the next four in. And I, I would imagine that that's probably um, the, the bulk of the guys who are going to play a bunch this year. Marcus Ilver, Warren Bowman, those guys also got involved in the first half. So I, I think that's probably the depth that Greg Gard is, is looking at right now. Given minutes, those were the guys that played the most. I think that leads to a guy like Matthew Moores, Chris Hodges. They're probably, um, just based off of the sheer number of forwards that are in front of them, maybe looking at redshirt candidates. I know guard usually likes to let them make a decision, but, but I think that might be in their best interest. Um, but, but really, I, I think the big thing with Stephen Crowell and I, and I hope that he can give this team that presence, a uh, scoring presence on offense because I think they're going to need it this year. Yeah, yeah, it'll certainly be something to to watch for as this group moves forward. But overall, it's, it's exciting to see basketball, you know, back, and uh, we'll see how this team progresses throughout. 
um, the course of that season. All right, next up in the uh, news portion of the show, we'll talk about some transfers. Quan Easterling, um, of course, former fullback with Wisconsin, and Dante Burton, former cornerback, announced that they will be entering the transfer portal. Um, when you look at that, I guess I wasn't super surprised by either of these, maybe a little bit more so along the lines of Quan Easterling, uh, just because you know the fullback position we've talked about in the offseason not a ton of depth there right now, and certainly now you're not going to have much depth there at all behind John Chennault. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, he got a little banged up where all of a sudden maybe you would have saw some more opportunities there. But um, Dante Burton, that one really didn't surprise I'm, I'm almost kind of surprised now that I think about it that someone from this quarterback room hadn't transferred out already. I mean, there's just so many guys there, and the way college football is going to be going now, you're going to see more and more of these situations where a deep room, somebody's going to be the odd man out and likely – um, transfer and Dante Burton just hasn't been a guy that's got a lot of minutes. So overall, maybe one more surprising than the other, but I'm not super surprised in either departure. What did you make of, of those two announcing their intention to uh, leave the Badger program? Yeah, I mean, Burton's transfer kind of aligns perfectly with Kayvon Gervin coming in from Michigan State. So that's kind of a trade-off, it seems like. But, um, you know, I think Burton is the guy that's proved a little bit more. We, we thought that he was a kid who was going to be able to play down the road. We've got two senior cornerbacks. Dan Hicks could opt to come back still. But um, I think it's clear that he's below a guy like Alexander Smith. He's below a guy like um, like Dean Ingram. And then you also have a kid like Samar Melvin, who's now healthy, who I think is is continuing to grow in his role. So I think it makes sense for, for these guys, specifically Burton. I think it's pretty questionable the decision on um, Quan Easterlings, because you look at this depth chart, Wisconsin doesn't have a fullback listed on their depth chart right now because Cam Large, who we both kind of talked about, was a guy that we thought could maybe shift to fullback in the offseason. Um, he, he's got his foot in a boot and on crutches. Um, Marty Stray is is banged up as well. So both of those are the other fullbacks that kind of um, leaped over him as Easterling dealt with his own injury. And I just don't know how many teams are out there to looking for a fullback. If because I don't think Easterling's going to all of a sudden become uh, a running like a full on running back at six three two forty. But I mean we'll, we'll see. It's it's just he's got to make what. A decision that's in his best interest, but I, I think it's fair to look at that and wonder. You're on a really uh, run happy team. You've got John Chanel who's going to have to make a decision at the end of the year if he's going to come back for an extra year. So um, I, I guess whatever whatever he wants to do with his life is in his best interest. But um, it was kind of a head scratcher to me, at least for Easterling Burton. I, I get it. There's so many cornerbacks on this roster that it something has to give eventually. And like you mentioned, it, it makes sense. Um, and you wish the best for both of them. Yeah, absolutely. The fullback room is, is certainly going to be one to, to pay attention to. I mean, I know, uh, you know a lot of schools around the country don't use the fullback, so maybe it's not as big of a deal. But at Wisconsin, that's a, a pretty vital position to what they want to do and to all of a sudden be going into this week with very, you know, limited fullback availability. You're going to have limited tight end availability. So it's going to be a interesting week to see how that develops. But, um, yeah, certainly I, I think Paul Chris kind of alluded that to that in his Monday presser today as well. He was asked about the, the transfers and said, you know, some guys uh, need to grow and develop and, and some guys don't necessarily want to you know, wait all that longer. And that's kind of the new wave of college football where you're going to probably see it. You know, I think everyone sees red flags of players transferring out. But I think now that, you know, with these new 
uh, rules and, and all these new opportunities, you know, some of the, you're going to see more and more transfers. I don't think that's just a Wisconsin issue or anything like that. So, uh, certainly interesting. I think sometimes guys maybe just, like I said, don't necessarily want to, to wait and develop and pay their dues and then step into a role if they think that they can, you know, get out there in the transfer portal. I mean, you can't really make an overriding decision right now in the middle of the season. So timing wise, it's a little, you know, iffy, but, at the same time, you know, you know, Chris kind of mentioned that if, if a guy's not 100% in, he respects their decision to, to not be there. So um, you wish them both the best of luck. It'll be kind of interesting to see how their career goes the rest of the way because I think the, the point that you mentioned with Quan Easterling is, is certainly something that is, is going to be something to watch for. I don't know if he develops that way. And then Don, Dante Burton, a really talented player out of high school, just not really ever got on the field to see where he ends up and uh, see – how he develops will we'll certainly be a player that I'll, I'll be interested to see the career arc and, and how that kind of develops moving forward. I think it's, oh, go ahead. I was just, I think it's interesting. Like if you watch the progression, like maybe Aaron Quickshank is probably the last, I mean, and mm-hmm. that's fairly recently here, but beyond him, you, there's not a lot of history behind guys transferring from Wisconsin and going on to having huge careers. Like Manasseh Gardner um, went on and had a good career with, with Pitt a long time ago, um, and now he's back with Wisconsin on the staff. But, like, the the history isn't on the side of guys transferring out. Um, I hope that, that they um, get what they're hoping for out of their transfer. But, but you look at it in specifically in their – positions where there's going to be reps available next year you've got to be you wonder kind of what's going on and and you then look at a guy like Colin Wilder who talked about um, waiting his turn after he transferred in and and that transfers can be a good thing but if you're not going to be here you know good luck and the team needs to do what's in the best of them so um, if you haven't listened to what uh, Colin Wilder said I think he he pretty emphatically put uh put it on the head there. I thought he, he said it nicely. So best of luck to him, but I, I think Wisconsin's going to be just fine either way. Absolutely. All right. That kind of transitions us. I mentioned, you know, Paul Chris kind of talked about those transfers. So we'll get into, you know, the, the, the annual Monday uh, kind of report um, where we talk about the injury report and the Chris presser um, in terms of the, the Chris presser, that was kind of the main focus was talking about some of the transfers. Um, talking about just kind of more raving about the defense. Um, so nothing overly um, huge there. Injury report, of course, we talked about it a little bit here. Tight end, you know, the big news was Clay Cundiff, uh, of course, going to the hospital with an injury. We wish him the best of luck. It sounds like he's doing better. Um, still not a huge amount of info on the exact injury and the timetable, things like that. But it was clearly a, a very significant injury, and you hope that um, he's able to recover to the fullest, and it certainly will take some time. Um, what else stood out to you from either uh, the injury report or the uh, Chris Presser from today? Yeah, I think injury-wise, it was Aaron Witt. I, I think he's mm-hmm. a kid that you thought coming into the year, if he could be healthy, he was going to probably impact in that outside linebacker room. He's now officially up for the year with Cundiff. Um, so that out for the season list is getting a little bit bigger. Um, and, and there's going to be other guys who are a little banged up. I mean, you're – Four games left in the year. Everybody's a little banged up, especially after a game as physical as the Iowa contest. Um, but if you look at it, Spencer Lytle, Josh Seltzner, those are the two guys that you could potentially get back this week, um, depending upon the injury. They were both on the sidelines, so it's not COVID-related. Um, and, and hopefully they can get healthy. 
this this weekend, but I, I still think you're, you're probably going to see some time before they're back. But um, overall, yeah, tight end room still looking pretty thin. You've got four guys who are out for this weekend with Larch, Rucci, Cundiff, and, and Dakovich, who's been out all year. So uh, that tight end and fullback room, man, like we'll see. John Chanel got banged up a little bit in that game too, so hopefully he's healthy. Um, and able to go, you know, the, the full way for the Badgers come Rutgers. Yeah, I, I think that's going to be the, the one to watch for the, those two positions. I mean, fullback tight end is, is going to be the names that if you're, you're following along on Twitter and you're looking for updates on, you know, what could be impactful, both of those are going to be spots uh, to watch for. Cause uh, like we've mentioned, Wisconsin's really done a good job, you know, getting things going in the run game over the course of this win streak. And that's, of course, part of you know the old Paul Chris mantra of it takes everyone, it takes the fullback, it takes the tight end, working with the offensive line. And um, if those guys are banged up, we'll wonder how it may disrupt um, any sort of offensive progress. I think they'll be, maybe be able to survive uh, against a team like Rutgers, but you always want to be going into, uh, especially a road contest, um, you know, at full strength. And, and right now that's certainly, uh, I think, up in the air at best right now is to see what you'll have. Um, moving forward there, but hopefully those guys can uh, get healthy and be back for uh, another huge and important uh, big conference game uh, against a team that they don't, you know, places they don't go all that much and a team that they don't play at much being Rutgers, you know, one of those East Division games. So that should be an intriguing storyline to watch throughout the week. Absolutely. All right. We ready to hop into this uh, Iowa contest? Cause I think uh, I'm, I'm certainly excited to touch on the, uh, the the defense and the entire game. It really was a great contest, not only for the defense. I mean, the defense probably played, I, I think, their best game of the season when you, you factor in the turnovers and just how suffocating they were. Offense looked pretty good, too, of course, running the ball. Well, even you know, even the passing game, I think, showed some progress. I know we're, we're, it's better than <laughs> eight throws against Purdue, um, so we're getting closer to maybe – um, some sort of pulse there, but overall a, a great collective win. Um, really, you know, the Badgers just took it to a, an Iowa team that maybe was a little overrated at number nine. We saw that all kind of year that they were uh, an offensive struggle, but I don't know if it necessarily would have mattered. This defense was just absolutely suffocating. So um, where do you want to start with this? Do you want to start with the ranting and raving defensively, or, or how do you want to go about it? Yeah, let's start with that defense because they were so damn good. <laughs> They're just in, incredibly good. I mean, we, I, it's hard to know what to say differently about this defense because they've just been so solid front to back. I mean, so many guys stood out. Uh, I think Nick Herbig being the main one, but even, you know, Jack Sanborn played well. Colin Wilder played well. Isaiah Mullins, you know, is finally getting some attention that he deserves. You know, he's played really good all season long, which is kind of an underrated piece to that defensive line depth. So front to back, a uh, really great effort flying around just confusing the hell out of Iowa's offense and just being a disruptive force. So, um, yeah, let's just go ahead and you know, rant and rave uh, everything about this uh, incredible Wisconsin defense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at this, and the turnovers were big. Wisconsin took some, took advantage of, of some opportunities there. Uh, six sacks. I mean, that those are those are really good numbers. You, I mean, that kind of tells you just how dominant this front was. We had mentioned going into the game that, uh, Iowa has struggled along the offensive line outside of their center, who is an absolute stud. And Wisconsin took it to them, specifically against their tackles. Um, Nick Herbig was was all over the place. Um, and I'll tell you what, another guy you mentioned, Isaiah Mullins, who I think we've both talked about glowingly here recently. 
talking about him as a guy that probably deserves more credit, but another guy, Noah Burks. I, I thought he was a kid who mm-hmm. really, I mean, he's no longer a kid, I guess. He's, he's engaged and, you know, he's probably got four kids at this point, but you look at it and, and he is having a really good end of the season so far. Um, he, he's had two sacks. He had a fumble recovery. So he's a guy who's coming on late. And I think when you pair that with another guy of Nick Herbig on the other side, going ahead and making some significant plays. I mean, that strip where he just didn't even go for um, the quarterback. Incredible. He just went for the ball. It was it was really good awareness, and it, it speaks to the intelligence that he plays with, but also um, the ability to just bend around the edge the way he did um, so quickly made it so that Petrus didn't even have a shot. So I, I think you're looking at a defense, specifically a linebacking core, that's just different um, when you compare them across the country. I think George is the only one that you could – look at and say that they are of, of equal playing field um, than the Badgers. So I, I think this is a defense that's playing really, really good football. Um, I mean, Iowa got two first downs in the first half, two, and one of them was on a, in a, on a um, penalty. So it, it tells you just how dominant this was. Wisconsin absolutely shut stuff down on them quickly and, and allowed their offense to, to do what they needed to do and put them in really positive situations. I know people will point to that Iowa made mistakes, but a lot of times when you make mistakes, it's because of the defense. Same thing that's happened to Wisconsin this year is mistakes were oftentimes compounded because of poor offensive line and quarterback play. Well, we saw the exact thing happen to Iowa because Wisconsin's defense just absolutely took a tool. Yeah, I mean, you could tell. I think the the thing that really stood out is, you know, on those six sacks, those blitzes, the way – the way it just seemed like they had no idea who was coming. I think that speaks to, um, you know, the, the Jim Leonard defense that, that he's got it so mixed up and in so many different ways that you can go about it that all of a sudden, you know, you're in an offensive line, you're getting ready to try and prepare for this group, but you can't really because there's so many different looks, so many different guys blitzing in one play. It's the inside linebackers with Chanel. One play, it's it's Herbig on the outside. It's just so fun to watch, you know, when this group gets to play, starts playing like that, where all of a sudden it's like they they see a weakness with the the opposing offensive line, they're going to explo- exploit that weakness, and they're just going to you know send different guys and, and cause. It just seemed like Iowa, you know, offensively, the staff, the quarterback up front, they were just seemed so perplexed and not knowing how to prepare and, and which guys was coming. So I, I think in terms of a defensive battle, it, it was just a, you know, as, as good as Wisconsin looked pretty good on offense. And of course you, you always root for points, but I think watching this defense fly around and the way that they play is, is by far the, the most entertaining game. And if you like defensive football, that's, that's the, the group that you should watch because the way that they play is just exhausting for opposing offenses. And, um, when it's your team, it's great. You know, if it's, it's if you're an Iowa fan, that had to just be a, a game that you want to pull your hair out because it seemed like every other play, Wisconsin was either you know knocking the ball loose or getting to the quarterback or just causing a hurry or in the, in the few times that they tried to run the ball, just completely stuffed. So um, it was just a, a dominating effort. I think suffocating was the 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 way that we put it on a lot on the website, but that's truly what it felt like, where this team was just overwhelming. You know, Iowa front to back. Yeah, and and I I brought it up. I tweeted it out, and we had talked about this stretch of games going into here that you had Army, Purdue, and Iowa because two very physical teams in Army and um, Iowa, and then you had a finesse team who was going to throw the ball over the joint in Purdue, and the ability for Jim Leonard in this defense 
to go ahead and, and adapt on the fly, be able to do that mid-season and adjust adjust like they have and play so well. I, I think it's really just a testament to what they've done this year, and it, and it shows just how good they are. Um, I, I think Leo Chanel is just continuing to to trend towards he's a guy who could leave early um, just based off of what he's doing. Jack Sanborn, the ability to – he went off holding his hand, came back in and, and dislocated it, popped it right back in, and and was screaming on the sidelines looking for his helmet when he got out of the tunnel. Uh, so it, it tells you just the, the toughness and tenacity, the grit. Um, if you've seen the, the grit factory hat that's been going around, it, it's it's real right now. Is this, this group knows that they're playing at a phenomenally high level, and I think that that's rubbing off to the offense a little bit as well. And, and giving this team a, a, a jolt of excitement as they're just kind of understanding that there's a lot of noise going on with transfers and guys getting out. But the guys who are here are, are playing really well and, and trying um, and playing a really high level right now. So I, I think Wisconsin's in a good place, specifically on the defense, not only this year, but you're seeing some young guys really emerge to, to give you a chance for years forward um, as well. Yeah, I mean, coming into this year, you kind of expected, you know, I, I, mean, I think we all thought this group was going to be really good. Uh, I don't know if I even thought they'd be this good. I mean, this group is just exhausting week after week. Um, but I think all of a sudden you're getting to the point where you don't necessarily worry about Wisconsin's defense because Jim Leonard, the scheme, the guys, you know, when they're bought in are, are playing really well. So it's going to be a fun future to watch. Uh, for this group, and I'm excited to see where they can go with this year. I mean, now all of a sudden, with this game, they control their destiny um, in the Big Ten West. Uh, of course, you're going to have to you know, keep winning games, but uh, I'd love to see what this team can do. I don't want to get my hopes up, but uh, I'd love to see what this group can do against a team in a Big Ten championship type you know, scenario because we know the offense will, will, is struggling you know, and getting better each week, but this defense up against anyone would be really uh, a lot of fun to watch, which we've seen you know, time and time again this year. I don't know how much more we can say defensively. So if you want, let's transfer over to the, uh, the offensive side of the ball. Braylon Allen, another great game. His emergence continues to, um, you know, be there. I think, um, Chesma Lucy looked okay. You know, it was kind of the Braylon Allen show because he just was the physical force. We talked about it. You maybe would see more of him in this physical game with Iowa. And I thought he played really well. Um, we'll just start with the run game. What did you take from that you know, side of the offense? Because I think each week they've really kept things clicking consistently and, and playing with a lot more confidence in that phase of the offense. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you look at it and the improved offensive line play and the the numbers that Braylon Allen have, has been putting up really aligned. Like you, you can see that there is like a one-to-one relationship here in, in terms of this Wisconsin offense. And Braylon Allen, four straight, 100-yard performances. In those games, uh, the Iowa game, he he got 20 carries. Every other one, he hadn't even gotten that many. Uh, so you're looking at a kid who's really emerging. I, I was really impressed with his ability to take on coaching. You noticed that big, long run. He got to a point where he knew a guy was coming up behind him, and he put two hands on the ball knowing, hey, the last mm-hmm. thing I want to do is have somebody come up behind me and pop it out like like what happened um, the week prior. So – you're seeing a kid really develop. Um, and along the offensive line, they've done a lot better job here recently. And, and you can see the progress uh, game in and game out. And they're just running the damn ball on them, uh, understanding that, hey, you've got a 230-pound running back. You've got an offensive line that's 
you know, a very mixed bag at best in pass pro. So let's run the ball and let's run the ball a lot. And um, I think that they found their identity. They're continuing to understand who they are. And, and that's important in the game of football. When you've got a defense that can put you in positive situations, being able to say, okay, well, we're going to run the ball with their 17-year-old um, and, and just beat you with that, it, it does it does wonders. That's what Wisconsin's bread and butter is. And I'm I'm excited to see what they're they're doing. I thought you you look at the offensive line specifically. Um, I, I thought you go into it thinking, okay, Josh Seltzer's not in there. That's another guy down. Michael Furtney came in and he did some nice things. He it wasn't perfect by any stretch, but nothing with this offense has been perfect all year long. But I thought that he filled in great. He made a couple really nice blocks, um, specifically in pass pro, which I know we're going to talk about here in a bit, but. This this team is doing what they want to do on offense and using their um you know their their players the right way and I think that that's helpful. Um, there there's more that that they need to do, but at the same time, um, I think just understanding that there's progress happening in in the areas they needed to is definitely a positive. Most definitely, I think you you've got to look at this group and, and feel good about where they're at um in, in that phase of the game. I like that you mentioned. Um, you know, the Braylon Allen, you're taking care of the football angle. I didn't know how noticeable that was, but, um, it seemed like he was really doing a good job of, like you mentioned, putting two hands on the ball. You clearly took, took the problems that, that, that popped up the week before and worked on it, focused on it, you know, got coached up, I'm sure, uh, by Gary Brown and all of a sudden, you know, put together a much better performance. So that's great to see from still, I, I know it's kind of a broken record with a 17 year old kid, but for seeing a kid that young, um, develop and, and, you know, take some coaching and, and work on that throughout the week just shows, you know, where he's at in terms of developing his game. So I think you look at that, you're, you're very confident. And then, you know, when you need to, you've still got that, you know, a more experienced guy and a guy like Ches Malusi and, and just continue to play to the strength. Um, you know, it's not all that surprising that this group has gotten better as the, the season's gone on running the football up front because that is the strength. You mentioned they're a mixed bag and pass pro. I think that's still very much the case, but. This, this group can run the ball and when they're able to dictate what they want to do and go out and do it, it's, it's, a, it's a much tougher team to beat when they have to try and, you know, sling it around, play from behind or, you know, you know, deal with mistakes. All of a sudden, um, you're, you're not playing to your strengths and that can cause some issues. But when they're able to dictate the game, dictate the tempo and, and the style of play, it's, it's a much harder team to beat. And I think you're starting to see that here. You know, they, they, it's not like they've went up against, you know, nobody's on, on the, that Army defensive, you know, front and, and effort is always good. Uh, the Purdue defensive front has played much better. And now once again, uh, against an Iowa front seven that has been really talented. So these aren't just nobody, you know, uh, you know, defensive lines. They're starting to really progress against some, you know, pretty good competition on the other side. So uh, I'm excited to see how this con- group continues to run the football because yeah. If it's working and that's what they like to do, just keep doing it. And, um, we'll, we'll see how the rest of the offense progresses, uh, beyond that when, when they need to. But right now, if you could run on it and lean on your 17 year old, you know, your big boy and, and lean on him to run the ball, I, I think you've got to do it. And, and right now it's working. Yeah. I mean, it's funny to think like earlier on the season, we talked about kind of some of the struggles in the run game and, um, but also the fact that Wisconsin was rotating their offensive line. They've stopped rotating uh-huh. and they've been able to run the ball. They've, they've turned to a bigger back. They've been able to run the ball. There are things that are aligning here that it's not just coincidence. Um, I, I think Braylon Allen is really, really good. I think his balance 
and his ability to break tackles is really differentiates him uh, in a little bit from Ches Malusi. Malusi's still a really good back. It's crazy to think that four games in the regular season remaining, who knows how many games you might get after that. But right now, there's a chance that Wisconsin has two 1,000-yard backs because Malusi's at 740-yard, Braylon Allen, um, 530. But the way that Braylon Allen is, is busting off these 100-yard games, if you get to a bowl, bowl game, which at this point it looks like it's got to be like a 95% chance they're getting there, um, and um, maybe you can sneak into a Big Ten championship, you're getting to a point where you've got six games to, to possibly get 500 yards. That's pretty good. I, I like I like Wisconsin's chances to possibly have that, and that would be very cool considering um, we didn't necessarily know who was going to be the guy, and the main question was, do, the, are, do they have a 1,000-yard rusher on the roster? And they might have two. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point. I mean, you know, that's crazy this offseason where you were – you were hoping you were going to land Ches Malusi. You didn't know if Braylon Allen was going to be a running back, and all of a sudden those are two guys that are really performing well for you and, and are the two bell cows of a group that you know we talked about. Had some other names in there, but you were still kind of waiting to see where they were at. So I think right now the the running game has, has looked really good, um, and I'm excited to see how they continue to progress. On the other side, passing the ball, of course we talked about Purdue, really didn't have to do much at all. Iowa, they came out first drive. Graham Mertz looked like, again, we see flashes of the Graham Mertz that there was, a, you know, when you, you say four-star recruit, highly recruited kid, highest quarterback to ever come to Wisconsin, then you see him make those, you know, few throws on that first drive. You think, oh, there it is. There's that player that you were looking for. It tailed off a little bit, but I thought he looked more confident. They clearly felt more confident calling some more passes. I mean, to go from eight to 22 is a significant jump. Um, I thought he he did, you know, I, I think we've tempered our expectations now in the passing game where he doesn't have to be the guy when you're running the ball like that. He just needs to limit the mistakes and kind of be that game manager role. I know we all had a lot of bigger expectations for him, but right now if he does that the way this offense is going, I think it works. So what did you make of the passing game that seems to be, albeit a little slowly, continuing to progress and, and seeming to get a little bit better? Yeah, I mean, and it's still not perfect, right? Like, mm-hmm. and it does, but it doesn't need to be when you can run the ball the way they have. Um, I thought really that that second drive that the Badgers got, they started on their own 35 after forcing the punt, um, their second punt of of the game, and and really, Mertz was the one who orchestrated that entire drive, um, and that's kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. I think that really did it. Um, um, you look at the drive chart, and and. All the big plays came from the passing game. They got 13 yards rushing, and they went from their 35 to the touchdown, on the touchdown to, to Ferguson, and that was on the arm of, of Mertz. And that was one of the best drives that we've seen from him. He was consistent. He was in rhythm, um, and he, he was able to hit his guys. Some of those were not easy throws, so I was very happy with what he was able to do. He missed some guys later on in the game. Um, I mean, it was still he was still 50% passing, right? Like it wasn't great all the time, but at the same time, if you can put one of those drives together, it 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 loosens up the secondary a little bit and pushes everything back so that you can run the ball even more. So I think that that was really a tone setter for this Wisconsin offense, and it helped them out immensely. Um, the bulk of his completions were early in the game. Second half wasn't always pretty. Missed some some open guys, but but really, you look at offensive line gave him plenty of time 
he was able to um, go ahead and make a few throws to help this team out. And that's, that's what you need. This isn't going to be all of a sudden offense that they're going to be throwing it 30 plus times. If it is, they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that right now. Like they're not going to win games where Graham Mertz is going to have to be the deciding factor, but Graham Mertz has gone ahead and done a better job of, of keeping track of the ball. We haven't seen the, the huge crucial fumbles like we saw Spencer Petras and some of the Iowa players have. He didn't have the big mistakes. And if he can limit mistakes, he can he can go ahead and keep them on schedule a couple times in the game and, and make a couple throws. Like it's it doesn't have to be all the time, but if he can limit those big plays um, that that hurt you, and he can make a couple throws that help you out immensely and get you when it's a third and seven and you get fourteen, it makes all the difference because the running game is going to be able to get you where you need to and give you a shot to win because the defense is just so dang good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, right now, I think they have a, a recipe that they feel confident in. And if, like you mentioned, keeping on schedule, you know, keeping those mistakes, you know, you know completely gone is perfect. Try to limit them as best you can. All of a sudden, you, you've got a recipe that works. And I think they're all starting to realize that and, and have some confidence. Um, the passing game, you know, you certainly want a little bit more. And maybe in the second half, you want to maybe hit some passes. But when you can lean on that run game, you're going to continue to do that until you don't have to. So it was good to see, you know, that progress a little bit. Of course, still needs, needs to be things that are, are going to get cleaned up, but the mistakes are the biggest thing. We talked about it last week, you know, even, you know, limiting the turnovers, winning the turnover battle, keeping even like special teams, keeping that clean. Turnover special teams were clean and you found a way to win. And for Iowa, complete opposite. That was all of a sudden the, the thing that bit them. In a big way. So I think Graham Mertz has started to realize that. I think Paul Chris is finding a little bit more confidence in it. And as they progress um, through there, if they can keep limiting those mistakes, this team is in a really good spot. And um, and it seems like you know, the, the, the passing game, they got Danny Davis involved a little bit. They got Jake Ferguson involved a little bit. All of a sudden, the entire group is starting to, to gain some confidence. And that can only do you wonders as you keep moving forward through the schedule because if you can build a little bit more each week, all of a sudden you've got and you and your defense you think is certainly going to continue to play the way they have. The run game continues to go. All of a sudden you've got a team that is close to having um, a lot of their phases at least in a decent spot uh, to win you football games. Yeah, I mean especially when you look at the final schedule here, you've got four games. You've got Rutgers, Northwestern, Nebraska, and Minnesota. Two of those games at home, Northwestern and Nebraska, which I think you're really excited that you have Nebraska at home. Um, and you look at it, none of those teams has a quarterback that you really are scared of based off of Wisconsin's defense. But at the same time, if Wisconsin turns it over, any of those teams can beat them. Mm-hmm. And you just, you just can't kill yourself. And at this point, Wisconsin has done a better job of keeping, um, uh, on holding onto the football, I should say. And, um, that's been the biggest thing is they've run the ball. And they haven't hurt themselves is, and that's been the biggest shift the past three, four games that they've been winning is they haven't hurt themselves and they've taken advantage when other teams have hurt themselves and Wisconsin's been opportunistic in forcing turnovers and capitalized on them. Yeah. Let's hope that formula keeps moving forward as this team um, continues to try and win games. Uh, so far that recipe has worked and let's hope that they can keep doing it because hopefully it'll result in them winning some football games. All right, we've talked about the offense, we've talked defense. Um, you know, special teams, of course, wasn't 
wasn't a factor for Wisconsin. You, know, you avoided the big mistake. You know, normally that's a huge talking point. Really for Iowa, you know, the muff punt was the big talking point. So anything else you want to hit on um, before we wrap things up here um, and, and put a bow on what was a great and, and really a lot of fun uh, Iowa contest? Wisconsin did better on special teams as well. Um, I think that was just needed to be talked about mm-hmm. briefly. Um, I thought they did enough. I actually thought that Dean Ingram did a really good job as a punt returner. Um, he, he made some really good decisions, which we've seen some hesitancy. We've seen some, some negative plays come out of the punt return group overall. I thought he played much better and we saw that that crushed Iowa when they went to their backup punt returner. Um, that hurt them. And so Wisconsin, Continue that trend of not hurting yourself and things will be just fine specifically against the schedule. Yeah, exactly. I, I do think, you know, we've, we've certainly harped on, you know, special teams in a negative light. So when they play better, uh, that needs to be acknowledged. I agree with you. I think the, the best part was just not seeing that hesitancy. Um, I think in the punt return game, that's, that's the, it's not an easy job by any means. I did it in high school and frankly, I hated it. It's tough. You got guys running at you. You're trying to catch a football in the air. But they they made a decision, and it, it, he looked a lot better and more comfortable back there, which is huge. And like you mentioned, maybe it's not easy to all of a sudden throw a new guy back there, but you 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 you, you still have to do the job, and Wisconsin was able to do that. And it's so nice to come into this podcast and record and not have that special teams blunder that you were worried about Wisconsin making. You know, Iowa, of course, had it, and, and that's a huge talking point of the game. Thankfully, Wisconsin, that isn't something – we're acknowledging the positives and not the negatives, which is not something we're used to doing on the show by any means. Yeah. Um, one last thing before we get out of here, a couple of recruiting things. Aiden Vaughn, uh, linebacker we talked about last episode. He recently decommitted from Air Force. Wisconsin's going to be in on him. And then Caleb Coley just um, decommitted from Vandy. He was a defensive back that the Badgers were in on. We've got a couple open scholarships. I know that the Badgers are super high on him. Maybe that's another race that you can get back into. So I, I think it's going to become flipping season um, here soon, and Wisconsin's probably going to be taking the best available guys that they can get in, and um, both of those guys are guys to watch here going forward. Yeah, Caleb Goley was a one that, yeah, that news just broke while we were recording that, and, and really he was a player that Wisconsin was very high on. Um, during his recruitment, kind of surprised that they were maybe, you know, got, got beat out by Vanderbilt the original time around, but maybe Wisconsin can get back in there with some of these openings that they're going to have with, of course, some of these departures. So, of course, you, you talk about the transfers, sometimes they can be negative, but sometimes it, it works out in a positive light if you can get um, the most talented players that you're able to go after. Um, and Caleb Cooler would certainly be a guy that if they could get back in that race, they, they'd sign themselves up for. Um, right away because he was uh, you know, very high on their board uh, when he was a part of that. All right, guys, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, thank you for listening. We'll be back with you later in the week to preview the contest with the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, as always, on Wisconsin. Mm-hmm.